Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for joining us for this week's message from Riverside Church. I believe you will be inspired and blessed by the Word of God. We'd love to welcome you to one of our services next time you're in the Brisbane area. If you'd like to know more about us, go online at www.riversidecc.org.au or like us on Facebook to hear about up-and-coming events. I hope you enjoy the message. God bless you. Turn to someone this morning and look at them in the eye and say, You made it. You made it. It's 2021. You made it. Woo! You made it. You made it. You made it. Wow. Who thought they weren't going to make it? (laughs) Wow. But we made it. It's a new day, a new year. Good things ahead. Amen? Amen. Wow. That's good. Hey, let's pray as we come before the Word. All right? Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for today. This is a day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Father, I pray by your Spirit that you would bring revelation of your Word and the Word, Jesus himself. And then by that Word, we will change into his image. Help me, Lord, as I speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 2021, welcome. This is it. Seems the same as last year, doesn't it, really? But it's different, different day. And I I like what Jackie said about New Year's resolutions. Yep, we make them and then we break them. And then we make them and break them. But that's okay, we're, we're moving forward. At the beginning of this year, we want to start by jumping straight in to a book in the Bible. Every year we start with a book. Last year we did Ephesians, which was fantastic. And Ephesians is about who we are, we're children of God, and what children do. This year, I'm excited to say, we are going to go through the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, all 21 chapters. So let's start, and we should finish in about three days, all right? Get it all out of the way. Where we're starting a Gospel of Of all the disciples of Jesus, for me, uh, John, I see him as a man of strength. He's, he's just one of those strong guys. You know, Peter, he's like the crazy cat of the gang, you know? Hey, let's cut off ears. Let's walk on water. Woohoo! Let's, you know, he's the crazy cat. I love Peter, but John, is, it's kind of like he's, he's the strength. He has conviction. And more importantly, he is a man who understood what love was, and he portrayed that love. If you look at the new posters, did anyone notice the new posters as you walk into your church? Fantastic. Let's throw them up. And the first one is love. That's pretty amazing. And the second one is receive. Third one is? And the fourth one is life. Now there's a reason for that because really John writes probably the most well-known Scripture in Christendom, John 3.16. Does anyone know how that goes? For God so that he gave his only son that whosoever 
should not perish, have everlasting life. So every time, I'm just getting a little bit of feedback through there. Something if you, can, you can kill that if you like, that'd be fine. So every time you walk in that door, I want you to think love, receive, believe, life. Love, receive, believe, life. And if we can do that, if we can love God because he loved us, if we can receive because we receive from him and give to others so they can receive and believe, have faith, we can truly live life. John 3.16, don't forget it. John the Apostle had great insight and revelation regarding the depth of God's love. For God so loved the, the world. So he had this understanding, not just in his world or the people that he was surrounded about or even his country, but the world, which was an incredible thing for way back then. You know, in the beginning of that, you know, that 33, 35, 40, he understood what love was. And he understood the ability to believe. He had to have faith to believe. And the capacity to receive. I always find it hard to receive from other people. Who's like that? You know, I'm, I'm happier giving than getting. But I've got, to, I've got to just understand, I've got to receive. And if I receive, then I can give even more. Because I want to live life. And John really did live life. He understood the promise of eternal life. And John knew these things by revelation. And my prayer, and actually I prayed for you this morning, I prayed that God would give you, not just this morning, but right throughout the year, the year whether you are in church, out of church, at home, on the train, on the bus, in the car, on the beach, up a mountain, down a valley, that God would give you revelation. Revelation to know him, concerning who Jesus is. And when we know who he is and we are challenged by who he is, then we can change our life to reflect his glory and who he is, not us. I love that this morning. It's not about me, it's about him. And embracing everything that he has so that I can truly reflect the Lord's glory, who is Jesus. The word revelation means this. It is to highlight. You know, when you get a highlighter pen, you highlight it. It means to make known and to reveal. I'm always having a revelation about my wife. I'm always understanding who she is more and more and more. And when I understand who she is more and more, I can appreciate her more and more. But here's the interesting thing about revelation. When revelation comes to highlight, to be made known and to reveal, revelation is either empowered or it's nullified by our thoughts, our words and our action. So revelation in itself is kind of like neutral. It's information. Who's ever read a diet book? You know, 40 days lose 400 kilos. Well, yeah, I got that one. And we read it and we know it. But guess what? We don't do it. That's exactly right. It's because revelation has to deal and is empowered. We've got to understand this or nullified by our thoughts, our words and our actions. Because it can change your life 
or not change your life. So to believe it means to have faith. When God gives you revelation, it means that you believe what God is saying. You're not just hanging on to your own stuff. God reveals it to you. Who in this building has ever had a revelation about God? Yeah, absolutely. Revelation. So once we, we, we have it, we've got to believe it. We've got to step into it, but also we've got to speak it. I am not who I say I am. I am who he says I am. And sometimes the contrast of who I believe I am and who he be- believes I am and completely at the ends of the earth. But when that revelation comes of who I am, then I have to believe it, but I also have to speak it. I have to make a good confession of my faith. A positive confession, not, not a confession out of, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest. That won't do you any good. But I am a child of God because he says I'm a child of God. He never says anywhere in the Bible, I am the greatest. Did you hear the story about Muhammad Ali? He was catching a plane. World champion. He gets in the plane and sits down in first class and he's just, you know, doing his, I am the greatest. He's sitting there. And the stewardess comes up to him and says, listen, you have to fasten your seatbelt. He said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she said, Superman don't need no airplane. Buckle up. <laughs> so you can believe you're the greatest, but you've got to prove it, baby. So just be careful. So we believe it, we speak it, and we apply it. Revelation has to be applied to prove it's reality, if it's genuine or not. Otherwise, it's just mere air. You believe it, you speak it, you live it. With revelation, knowing it is only effectual or powerful if you do something with it. Just don't take it. Revelation comes to you by the Holy Spirit. In order to bring awareness of truth to you, about you and about Jesus. Who's ever thought, man, I could never be like Jesus? Not instantly, yeah. But you know, as we are changed, it says we are changed from glory to glory into his image. It's a process change by believing, speaking and applying it. And if we take truth and we believe it, we speak it and we apply it. Do you know what truth does to us and for us? Sets us free. Sets us free. Free from all the nonsense in life. I've never known a prisoner who's never ever wanted to be kept inside because they want to be free. We want to be free. If you don't do anything with it, it just becomes information. And let me tell you, the world is full of information you just have to google to find out wow but god brings revelation to us about his son through revelation by his spirit otherwise revelation is something that just tickles our ears <laughs> oh that's so nice hang on i've got to even it out because <laughs> if i don't i'll be like that that's all that revelation can do to you just tickle your ear make you feel good oh that's wonderful oh thank you we must apply it 
Let me give you a few examples about revelation, how it happens. Because John's, John's gospel is really about a lot of revelation. In Matthew 16, I know you know this because I speak about it quite often, Peter has a revelation about Jesus that he is the Son of God. Do you remember that? And, and Jesus asked Peter and he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, man, you smashed that out of the park. Well done. You got this revelation from my father. Fantastic. Then Jesus continues where he says, I must go to the cross and to be killed. And what does Peter say? <laughs> that ain't happening. No, sir. No, sir. You are not dying. You are the son of God. You see, here's the problem. When Peter received the revelation, he should have believed it, he should have spoken it, and he should have applied it to the situation he was in, according to what Jesus said about his life. If Peter had read the word of God, he would have known. If he had just written, uh, read Isaiah 53, he would know that the Messiah would have to suffer. Huh. But... He missed the point. So here's the point of that point. It means this. We can have great revelation, but if we do not know what God's word is, we will imprint our own thoughts and our beliefs on that revelation instead of his word, which is truth. You can get revelation and you go, wow, but then if you don't put that through the filter of God's word, of what he is saying beyond the revelation then what we tend to do is we imprint our thoughts and our ideas on that revelation and then we move away from what God has wanted us to walk in into a different realm and a different world to the point where Jesus says you've got this revelation and Peter speaks up and Jesus calls him the devil. So it is vital, it is important that we know what God's words is so we can change. You know what Peter should have said? He should have said this. Okay, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what's going on. I know you're the son of God, but I'm going to believe it. I'm going to speak it and I'm going to support you and I'm going to be with you and we're going to walk through this together. Revelation is either empowered or nullified by the thoughts, by our words or by our actions. Let me give you another example. Now, as we're doing that, Christina is going to grab someone else and she is going to hand out our reading journal cards for the year. Now, if you are a visitor to our church for the first time, we want to give you a journal book with our reading in it. Now, this journal reading card that you're about to receive or the journal book, it has between 38 scriptures and about 68 scriptures in it as a reading for the day. That's it. It's not the whole Bible. It's all of the New Testament, but a portion comes from the book of Genesis and Exodus. We kind of like missed out on a little bit of Leviticus and Numbers, which is pretty exciting for me. But there's some major and minor prophets in there that you can read and understand. And I guarantee you this, if you take the time just to read. I'm telling you, it's, it's, your life will begin to change. You know what happens when I find that I read God's Word? When I feel like I'm about to sin and I'm reading God's Word, I go, 
oh, okay, maybe I shouldn't do that. Or if I'm convicted about something, it only comes by the word of God. Don't look at me like I'm the only one who's ever thought about sinning, all right? I'm looking at all of you and you're all included in this wonderful journey called life. But God's word keeps us, it holds us. So let me give you an example. You got your journal card there, all right? So you're reading it. In fact, if you go on our church Facebook page every morning, it will pop up what you should read, okay? You know what I've started to do this year? I thought it would be quite novel. I, would, I started to read my Bible, the paper Bible. I decided not to read my phone. I thought, oh, that might be a bit cha- change, you know? I, I got caught up reading my phone. So I'm reading my paper Bible, and what I found is that now I can mark it, God won't strike you down dead. It's only paper. It's all right. And I write in it thoughts. And I've just started doing that before I just read my phone. So think about this, all right? You are reading it. Why? Because you want to be like Jesus. Yes? That's two people. You want to be like Jesus. Yes? Thank you for five people. Now, you're reading, you want to be like Jesus, and you want to have revelation. Why do you want to have revelation? So you can believe it, so you can speak it, so you can action it. So you're reading it, but you don't feel like reading it. But you know if you don't read it, that you're going to die spiritually. So you keep on reading it. But at work, you're having a really tough day. The boss is just a... He's just a nuisance, you know. He asks you to do things and you really just don't want to do. He's a nuisance, all right. But you're reading your Bible and 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 it's August. Oh, August. It's cold. It's windy. Wind, wind, windy, windy, windy. It's, uh, you know, still in the middle of winter, August. And you, you're just feeling a little bit anxious about going to work. You're a little bit... In fact, you're a little bit scared because they thought about, you know, laying people off. You come, you're in August, and it's August the 19th. And on August the 19th, you are reading in the book of Isaiah. Oh, the book of Isaiah. Big major old prophet hymn. You're reading it. And this is your reading. It is Isaiah 41, verse 1, to 42, verse 25. It's only 55 verses. It's only a short amount of time. You spend more time watching ads on the TV than you do about reading this. 55 verses. 55 verses. And you read it. And you're reading it. And then you come to, you know, verse 10 of chapter 41. And you read it. And this happens. It says, don't be afraid. I am with you. Don't be discouraged. For I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you and I will hold you up with my victorious hand. Now, because you're reading God's word and you read that scripture, you know what happens? Bang, it hits you like a lightning bolt. It's almost like the words light up and you go, that's for me. That's what I need today. And you grab that revelation that you've got, a fresh new revelation that you've probably read many times before because you've been reading your Bible for the last 20 years. But today, this verse sticks to you like it is glue and it is good. So what do you do with that? You believe it, you speak it, 
and you apply it. You walk into that place to your work or family situation that's not good and you say, the Lord is with me. I will not fear. He will be with me. I am not to be discouraged. That's how revelation comes and that's why you must put that revelation through the filter and you walk in that. You go into that circumstance. That's what God wants you to do. You've got to get it in your mind and start to think. You've got to believe it. You've got to speak it. You know, when it says to meditate on God's word, it means to mutter. The Hebrew word mutter means to speak over and over and over and over and over. So as we're meditating, we're muttering on God's word, I will not be discouraged. I will not fear. God is with me. Here's my victorious hand in all of this i don't have to be afraid regardless of what you're going through god is going to be with you so you're walking by faith how many times have you ever worried about something and it's not happened i seriously we've worried about stuff and it has not happened i would say not 99 out of a hundred, I would say 999,999 out of a million. Oh, but pastor, that one will come one day. But you know this because the scripture says he will strengthen you and he will help you and he will hold you up with his victorious right hand. So even though you go through the water and you go through the fire, he is with you. And you only know that because you got the revelation from God's word and you made a commitment to change into the image of Jesus. Do you think Jesus was ever afraid? I don't think Jesus was ever afraid. He was concerned about going to the cross. He didn't want to go to the cross, but he was obedient to the cross. But I don't think he ever had fear because he knew who was with him, the Father in heaven. And my prayer is for you this morning and right throughout the, the year and every person who stands behind this pulpit will bring revelation. I am praying that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know Jesus. And when you've got it, you can speak it and believe it and you can apply it to your life and change into his image. So, are you ready to begin after the introduction? You know, the introduction is only like 10% of the whole message, all right? <laughs> Here we go. We're starting in the book of John. And that's because John had great revelation. I mean, he did even write a book that was called Revelation, if you think about it. John, John's gospel is totally different from the other three gospels. John's gospel gives us facts about the life of Jesus, but he also gives us spiritual insight concerning those facts. Now, <laughs> let me tell you about the other three first, because we love the other three. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they have a focus on the kingdom of God, that's their focus. The kingdom of God. Matthew and Luke were written for the Hebrew. Remember how Matthew starts? He starts like this. These are the ancestors 
of Jesus. All right? Because he is qualifying who Jesus is through the ancestral line. That's how he starts. Luke, when he starts, he starts this. He says, I write this so that there is an actual, factual writing concerning Jesus. Because they're writing to the Hebrew mind. Mark, he writes to the Gentile mind. He starts completely different. He starts by saying, here is the good news. Writing to the Gentile. Whoa, the Son of God. So we have these guys who are giving factual proofs. Now you can get revelation from Matthew, uh, Luke, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But John, he speaks and he writes in an allegorical way, which means there is a hidden spiritual meaning for you to discover. It's totally different. John starts to write his gospel. It's about AD 90. It's a long, long time after Jesus had died and gone to the cross. About AD 90, he starts to write, and there is no question at all that he had also been able to receive the copies of Matthew and Mark and Luke. He was aware of it. And he could see how they had written. But God gave him this insight and this revelation to begin to write. And John, as he begins to write, he writes to the Greek. And he writes to the thinker who is a Greek thinker. Because he's talking about logic and the appearance of Jesus as the Son of God. The creator, the true way. And John, throughout this whole book, he explores Jesus in relation to redemption, being bought out of sin, and about revelation. That's the two key things that he's bringing out. And he's bringing out for us as believers the certainty of our salvation, that Jesus died on the cross, and it points to those two things, our redemption. Why would he talk about redemption in such a way? It's to give us an assurance that we do not have to fear that we have been bought by the blood of the Lamb. And once we understand that, we move into that era of revelation. So let's understand the Greeks, the Greek thinker. And the Greeks had two great foundations for life. Two great foundations. Firstly, they had the concept of logos. Do you remember that? Do you know, remember how John starts his gospel? Very similar to Genesis. In the beginning was the logos. However, to the Greek, that word logos, it meant reason and word. They were tied together. Or reason and logic. Because the Greek thinker was a logical thinker. So you see, the Jews understood the spoken word because of Genesis, when God spoke into being. And the Greek understood that Logos was not just a spoken word, but reason or logic that came about. Plato systemized a way of logic called the theory of forms of known by pure reason. A theory of forms known by pure reason. Now, 
Plato lived from 347 BC to 527 BC. And he had brought this thought of logic and reason. Do you know we are Greek thinkers? We think logically. That's the way that we have been brought up. And to the Greek, they, it made perfect sense to them, logic and reason. The Greek looked at the world and thought of it as dependable. They would look at the world and they'd go, oh yeah, look at that. You know, yesterday there was day and night. Previous month there was day and night. And the year before that there was day and night. So there's always been what? Day and night. So with that logic, what do you think is going to happen tomorrow? Day and night. Completely logical. They looked at the seasons and they realized there were four seasons. Summer, winter, autumn and spring. And that happened that year and the year before and the year before that and the year before that. And for hundreds of years, thousands of years, there has been seasons. The Greek would look at the world and they would go, that makes perfect sense. That is logical. We have reason. The Greek would look at the stars and they look at the planets. And guess what? They were still there. They didn't move. The earth moved, but they've always been there. Oh, okay. So they must be set. That's what? Logical. They would look at nature. They would understand if they got a seed and they put it in the ground and covered it over and watered it, guess what would happen? It would die and it would grow. That's logical. It would die and it would grow. So the Greek just didn't take things at face value. They took things from reason and logic. And they would use that as, oh, the word, the word. That's logic. It's reason. I understand it. And the Greeks thought, what produced this order? How did this come about? And without hesitation, how did day and night come about? Now, previous, and hundreds of years, they would say this. The Greek would say, logos, word and reason. That's what they would say, word and reason. And then they would say this. Who gives the ability for reason or logic? And the Greek would say, logos word and reason and then they would say that makes sense therefore logos must be dwelling in us word and reason now hang on wait till we get to some scripture the second idea or concept that the greek lived by was this they saw two worlds they believed in two worlds the seen world and the unseen world two realms and their logic was this that in the seen world it is only a shadow of the unseen world that this seen world is corrupt because things don't last it's a shadow of the unseen world sound familiar like earth and heaven that's the greek thinking that's their two foundations in fact plato was so strong on this he actually embraced that thought 
that reason and logic withholding the view that there is an unseen realm and a seen realm, then there must be this perfect place in the unseen realm. But here's the question. Oh, a perfect question. How? You've got to, this is in the mind of the Greek that John is running to. How do I get from the seen world to the unseen world? How do I do that? I don't know. I don't know. That came about by logos, word and reason. How do we get there? How does it happen? What's in it for me in this life? And so, with that in mind, the Greek is thinking logic, reason, word, all together, connected with a seen world, a corrupt world, a shadow world of the perfect world. John writes this. Now look at this. In the beginning, the logos, word and reason already existed. And when the Greek read logos, it kind of like went, whoa! Logos, word and reason. Now look at that, in the beginning. Do you know why in the beginning is written? It's for us. Because we think in terms of beginning and end. Because God is pre-existent. He's pre-beginning. But for us to kind of like put it together, he writes, in the beginning, the logos, the word and the reason already existed. So the point of beginning, as we know it, he already was. The logos, word and reason, was with God. Huh? The logos. The Logos, word and reason, was with God. Logos, word and reason, with God? And then he says this, and the Logos, word and God, was God. Whoa, 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 hang on, hang on. Then we come to the next verse, and it says this, He existed. Personal pronoun. A person. He existed in the beginning with God. Logos was not only in the beginning. Logos was not only there, but he was God. And he was with God in the beginning. I can imagine a Greek reading this for the first time and thinking, who is he? Who is he? And he begins to write again. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. The Logos, word and reason, gave life to everything that existed. So when the Greek believed that Logos gave them the ability to reason, 
They believed that he gave them life to live. And do you know when God created man, he breathed into him the breaths of life. And he existed. The logos, the word and the reason, gave life to everything that was created. That makes perfect sense because it's logical and it's reasonable. And the Greek goes, who is he? Who is he? As they're reading it and John is writing it, we're going to skip to verse 10. And this is what it says. He came, logos, word and reason. He came into the very world he created. Say what? Logos, word and reason, life that gives light, that helps us, that we have that understanding from. He came into this world he created. When did he come? But the world didn't recognize him. What? What? They didn't recognize him? How could they not recognize him? He came to his own people and even they rejected him. Oh my goodness. What is wrong with this people? He came. They didn't recognize him. They, they mistreated him and they rejected him. I can imagine a Greek just about ready to throw his fish and chips on the floor. That's the way we've got to look at this. And as they're reading and their mind is tormented because logos, word and reason, life, light inside men. Whoa, it's getting too much. He reads this. But to all who believed him, and accepted him. He gave them the right to become the children of God. Oh man, this is just ramped up another notch. <sighs> children of God. Do you know you're children of God? Do you know what that means? Children of God, you're loved, you're favored, you're blessed, you're not an orphan. I mean, that's what we looked at last year in Ephesians. Children of God, they are what? reborn oh my goodness not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan but a birth that comes from God wow it is just amazing look at this so the word became human and made his home among us he was full of, oh, and I love this, unfailing love. Can I say I love my wife? But can I also say I have failed often? But him has unfailing love. Imagine that, that you could live your life knowing someone who would never fail you in love. What does that do for you? Never fail you. Regardless of what you say to him or what you think about him. No, just love you. I love you with an unfailing love. I will never fail to love you. I am always here for you. 
I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm going to love, love, love you. Unfailing love. And faithfulness. And we have seen his glory. The glory of the Father's one and only Son. John had some deep revelation there, folks. He just peeled that baby open and just went, there you go, boys. There you go, boys and girls. There you go. Have a look at this. In the beginning was Logos, word and reason. And he was and is and he came and he loves you with an unfailing love and is faithful to you. If someone could commit to you 100% to love you, unfailing and faithful, how committed would you be to him or to her? How committed would you be? Totally. And that's the way he is to us, with his unfailing love and faithfulness. Word, logos. Can I just read something else for you? I don't have it, but I think I should say it. I don't have to open my phone. I just have to turn the pages. Listen to this. Just close your eyes for a moment. Verse 15. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the unique one, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart, and he has revealed God to us. Wow. Jesus. And he makes perfect sense, perfect logic. When you read what Jesus does in the Gospels, it's totally logical. Some of the methods are a little bit different. But there's a blind man and he makes him see. There's a deaf person and he makes him hear. There's a crippled person and he makes him walk. People are hungry so he feeds them. People are tormented, so he, he releases them from their bondage. That just makes good sense. Because of his unfailing love and his faithfulness to us. And because of that, should we not love him with an unfailing love? Because he first loved us and faithfully, making him everything? Receiving that revelation of who Jesus is, the Son of the living God. I want you to stand with me this morning as we close. We are going to come back and revisit 1, 1 through 10 because it's just there is just too much there. I mean, it's just like, finding gold every time 
you look at God's word. It's just nugget upon nugget upon nugget of gold. But I just wanted to set it up for you about logos, reason and word. And when they read it, it just made perfect sense. Because this unseen world is perfect. This seen world is corrupt. And how do we get there? That's How do we get there? And God sent his son Jesus to die for us. That we would have eternal life. If you have never truly 100% committed to him, today is the day to make that commitment. Because he loves you with an unfailing love. He will never fail you. Your mum or dad, your husband or your wife, your brother or your sister, your pastor, your friends, they will fail you because they're human. But God, who is life himself, will never fail you. And to receive him, you just have to believe that the sacrifice that he made for you on the cross by shedding his blood will atone for your sin, make right, and you can be redeemed back into a relationship with God. No man comes to the Father except by the Son and the sacrifice of the Son. And it's as simply as praying, God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me, to be the sacrifice of my sin, and I receive him now by faith. I believe it, I speak it, and I will apply it to my life. If you have never done that and you want to do that, if you're here this morning, if you're online, just please... Just put your hand up. I'm not going to ask you to come out the front. Just be, you've never done it and you think, well, I need to do that to start the journey. Just raise your hand just so I can see. If you've never done it, if you've done it, that's great. If you haven't done it and you're online, we want to pray for you together. And I would like everyone here this morning in this congregation to pray with me, pray after me. So that if there is someone online, they can also pray this prayer. And we can believe with them. So will you pray with me? Dear Jesus, I come to you this morning. And I acknowledge that I am separated from God. And that my sin separates me. But Jesus came and died on the cross. And shed his blood to redeem me and to make me whole, to give me a new life with you. And I thank you. Amen. Now, if you've made that decision or you want to make that decision, please let us know so we can continue to pray for you and to send you some stuff to help you, some information to continually grow in the knowledge of God. Thank you for joining us online. We pray God's richest blessing for you. Amen. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.